Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Close Encounters in Indiana. That's correct, Close Encounters in Indiana. Now, some of these cases are a little older, but I find them quite interesting. Now, I do have links posted at the Twitter account, UFO Warning. You can get there by going to at Warning Sub UFO. That's UFO Warning on Twitter. And I also just put up a brand new website at UFOWarning.com. That's correct, UFOWarning.com. It's a very simple website, but we'll be able to just kind of uh, accumulate the links there as we go through these podcasts. And that way, if you find an article that's interesting, you want to read it, you can come back a few days or a few weeks or maybe a few months later, and the link will still be there. We'll just let these links kind of roll down. And uh, it's an, also another way to support the program by just clicking on that website. Clicks count. Now, the first article is called uh, Alien Abduction Reported from a Little Town in Indiana by Joe Knight. This is posted February 16th. 2019, and it comes from a website called OrionSunset.com. It says, there is a startling new alien abduction report from Indiana. The abduction occurred on 2-13-19. This alien encounter occurred in a very small town, so we will not be releasing this information to better keep the identity of our source anonymous. Our witness, Allison, is a 24-year-old woman that lives alone with a small dog. They live in a small apartment that she rents from a friend that is above their garage. She went to sleep last night and everything was normal. Then it says, Allison woke up suddenly in the middle of the night and found herself strapped to a metal chair. I don't know about you, but if I woke up in the middle of the night and found myself strapped to a metal chair, that would be major freakout time for me. It says the chair was leaning back her head, feet, and arms were strapped down. She tried to move, but she f- felt like her body was frozen and that she could not move even if she hadn't been strapped to the chair. This was like a situation of, you know, some might say sleep paralysis and a bad dream. But if we're to believe this woman, she here she is not only physically restrained in this steel chair, but she somehow her, uh, paralyzed through drugs, whatever, it almost seems as if this this situation was uh, designed to induce terror. You have to wonder if whatever this thing was that abducted her uh, wasn't trying to just scare her as much as possible. She says, when Allison tried to look around, all she saw were bright lights pointed at her. Everyone in a, everyone in a white, every once in a while, a shadow would pass in front of of one of the lights, but she couldn't make out the shape. She found herself going in and out of consciousness for what seemed like hours. Allison kept hearing voices, but they didn't sound like they were making any any words that she had heard before. She described the voices as being like thoughts inside her head. Only these thoughts were not her own, and she had no idea what they were saying. 
Well, this sounds like something out of a horror movie to me. She says what seemed like just a few minutes later, Allison woke up and found herself back in her bed. She immediately started shaking. Her dog was hiding under her bed, and it didn't want to come back out. When she went to the bathroom, she realized that she had a knot on her wrist. She knows for sure that it had never been there before. There was not there was not a cut or scar on her wrist, but she could feel a small object under the skin. Well, given the fact that she was just uh, what we believe to be abducted by aliens, I would almost bet 100% that she's got an implant. And that's the story that many people tell when they come back from these, well, kidnappings. And the, the, actually, the implant in this case would offer us the physical evidence quite possibly that we would need to help break the case wide open. It says this was her first alien encounter or UFO experience. Many times we find people that are abducted by aliens have a long history of alien experiences. Many times these experiences go back in her family's history for generations. This was not the case for Allison. She never had an alien encounter before and as far as she knows no one else in her family has either. Well, that being the case, you wonder if maybe it was just a location of where she was at then. It says she was sure this was the work of extraterrestrials. When we receive a report like this, we are obviously concerned that the person may have been the victim of a criminal and not an alien. Allison said that she thought about this herself. She said that there is no way that any person could have done this to her. When she woke up in her house... When she woke up, her house was still locked up tight. Her dog always barks loudly when everyone come, when anyone comes near the door, which never happened last night. The bolt, lock, and chain were still on her only entrance to her apartment. She is positive that what she experienced that night was not a dream or delusion. Well, that's something that we do have to take in consideration in these cases. Sometimes, you know... Uh, it could be a mental health issue. A person could have just imagined it. But when somebody comes back from this experience and they've got this large lump on their wrist, that's that's the key piece of evidence right there that interests me the most, really. She says, I can't explain how I know what I encountered last night it was aliens. I just do. I could feel them inside my head. It felt like they were not only trying to examine my body, but they were in my thoughts and memories inside my head. I'm pretty sure that the thing they put in my wrist was to keep track of me somehow. I don't know how I know that. I just do. That's also something we hear from these people that are victims of these abductions. A lot of times they do know or they sense that they've been implanted with something. And this poor woman, just the fact that she feels like these things were not trying to completely invade her privacy. And, and uh, you know, they've got her tied to this chair to inspect her body, but also her mind. I mean, this is a criminal act. Allison refuses to live in fear. It says, surprisingly, Allison told us that even after this experience, that she is not afraid to live alone. She feels that if the aliens had wanted to hurt her, then they would have easily done so without anyone noticing. Even with how scary the experience was to her, Allison feels that the aliens have no intention of hurting her. However, she does hope that it never happens again. And this is another one of these situations where um, you see the person who's been victimized uh, try to make excuse. 
for the predator that victimized them, and Stockholm Syndrome. I mean, she's locked in a steel chair, lights shining in her face. She wakes up in sheer terror, and she says that she doesn't think it's her intention to hurt her. Well, they already hurt her. They took her out of a warm bed, strapped her in a cold steel chair, did who knows what to her, took her peace of mind, and then just delivered her back to her bedroom like nothing had happened. And that's that's not hurting somebody. I don't know what it is. Now we have another another article here, um, and this one is from Brownsburg, Indiana. It's a little older. It says uh, it's published on 126 2014. It comes from uh, UFOcasebook.com. They got some they have some interesting stuff on there, and this says it was uh, happened. Brownsburg, Indiana, 326-313. It says, Hi, my name is Chris. On March 26, 2013, a strange, I had a strange experience. Oops, let me get this straight down here. And then he says, uh, I filed a report with MUFON. This happened in Brownsburg, Indiana. At the time of my report, I did not realize that I had been abducted. This was on my way home from work. I, I have driven this path every day for the last 20 years. I felt this strange light could not move, and when it quit, I saw the UFO. I know when I felt the light and when I saw the UFO and realized I had driven a mile down the road that I don't remember. A few weeks later, I was pulled out of my bed, then awoke seconds later back in bed. Missing time was 20 to 30 minutes every time. This usually happens around 2.30 a.m. I have lost count of the times I have been abducted. Twice I was aware of my surroundings. One time I was on a hard surface and I felt heavy weight on me and finally screamed to get off of me. It took a lot of effort to get the words out. Then I was back in bed. The other time I was being forced to walk and felt something happening behind me. When I turned my head... I saw an alien standing there for just a second. Then I was back in bed. Each time this happens, I get a two-inch dent in my head. This is about a half-inch wide with a circular indentation at the end. This takes several hours to appear. Now, my gosh, if he's getting a dent, a two-inch dent, so I don't know if he means it two inches around or two inches deep. Two inches deep, I mean, I'm not sure he'd even be conscious. It says this takes several hours to appear. A couple of times, the dent is bigger and wider at the top of my head, and this one appears quickly. I have had headaches from the start. I don't always wake up. I don't always wake up when this happens. I work long hours, and I don't sleep long. Due to my job, I wish to keep this private. I have a year until I can retire, so I don't want any. I don't want to draw any attention to myself. I am curious to see how many other people have this happening to them. Thanks for any information you might share. It's really a troubling account right there. This poor guy feels like he's just being uh, abducted over and over again. Just repeat, a repeat abductee. The thing with the dent, you know, I'd recommend trying to find some medical attention for that. You could say he's having sleep paralysis. Maybe he's experiencing sleepwalking. Uh, maybe he's actually fallen and hit his head and that's what's caused this dent. If we take him at his face value, though, it's almost more likely to me that, and combined with the headaches, that they're 
they maybe they've put some kind of implant in this guy. I know that CAT scans are expensive, but if he could get some type of a CAT scan to make sure that he doesn't have serious damage to his brain, or maybe they could see something actually implanted in there. It's another one of these cases where these people seem to be alone. They seem to be um, vulnerable. And but the thing is, a lot of them don't really uh, develop uh, anger toward the abductors, and I think that's just part of the mind control that goes along with, it, with this, actually. I don't see this as a particularly good thing to have happen to a person. Now, I want to go ahead and take a look at one more article here, and this is just some past cases that, that was uh, a little article that was done here a while back. It says uh, March 5th, 2014 from the Indi Indianapolis Monthly. I thought this was kind of interesting. It caught my attention. It says, The Top Ten Weirdest UFO Cases in Indiana History by Evan West. It says, As a subject of two recent TV documentaries, the case of former Brownsburg resident Matthew Reed, detailed in IM's March 2014 feature, Alienated, might possibly might presently be Indiana's most famous extraterrestrial encounter. And it goes on to say, Mysterious airship sightings, and this is in Vincennes in 1897. Well, if you've been into the UFO investigative stuff for very long, you know that back in the late 1800s there were a um, just a series of what people described as airships being spotted through the Midwest, and you know, with with uh, either aliens on board or uh, humans that didn't quite seem to be humans. I mean, there were some real weird cases. And we've covered several in the podcast. At some point, I might go through and do a few of those over again because they're just so much fun to read. You know, about the stuff happening a hundred years ago. Now, this says starting in the eight, starting in 1896, witnesses in California reported seeing a large unidentified aircraft in the sky, and numerous sightings surfaced in other states as the object or objects purportedly made its way east across the country. That is, before the invention of airplanes and long-range dirigibles, newspapers hyped the progress of the airship, including Vincent's morning commercial, which in April 1897 printed the accounts of a number of reputable citizens who variously claimed to have seen something resembling a sphere of golden light or a ball of fire in a flying steamboat. This from Some of these have been looked at. Some of these seem like the one in, in Aurora, Texas. Uh, where there was the supposed airship crash and the buried alien. Uh, we've covered that in our podcast, and I think I might do that again sometime. Some of these have been just put up to um, newspapers. One, this is all newspapers 100 years ago. I guess they had fake news even back then. It says, A huge metallic object, Terre Haute, Indiana, 1951, just four years after the oft-disputed UFO crash near Roswell, New Mexico, a teletype message arrived at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio addressed to a member of the U.S. Air Force Intelligence Brass. It related that Roy Mesmore, chief aircraft communicator at Terre Haute's Holman Municipal Airport, had joined the ranks of those who now believe in flying saucers after he saw a huge metallic object speeding across the field. Air Force Intelligence ordered an immediate investigation and discovered that a pilot flying over nearby Paris, Illinois, had separately reported a similar sighting only three months later. An official report concluded 
that what the men saw may have been jet aircraft observed by the reflection of the sun. Jet aircraft observed when the reflection of the sun may have distorted the aircraft in the eyes of the observer. In his best-selling book, The Heineck UFO Report, J. Allen Heineck, an astronomer and pioneering ufologist known for introducing the Close Encounter Classification System, described the incident as one of the rare cases in which observers in separate localities see the same UFO at almost the same time. That seems like it would make it unlikely that it was a jet, because how would they both see it at the same time? It says here, J. Edward Rausch, Edward Rausch and the Symposium on Unidentified Flying Objects, Washington, D.C., 1968. Roush, a congressman from Huntington, Indiana, and member of House of the House Subcommittee on Science and Astronautics, was, in his own words, keenly interested in the whole problem of UFOs. Accordingly, he organized and chaired the Symposium on Unidentified Flying Objects held on July 29, 1968. Only the second and last time the topic has had a formal hearing on Capitol Hill. The proceedings included testimony from the likes of Heineck and now famous cosmologist and author Carl Sagan. Then Congressman Donald Rumsfeld, also in attendance, astutely noted that the study of UFOs was a rather unique situation. Yeah, kind of the same thing we've seen lately with the most recent Senate subcommittee hearings with Senator Rubio. Now we have here a UFO invasion of 1973, Delaware County, Indiana. On the night of October 9th, residents of East Central Indiana lit, lit up first responder switchboards with upwards of 700 calls reporting UFO sightings, according to an article in the Cincinnati Post. Local law enforcement officers spent hours tracking the object described as blinking red, white, blue, revolving light, and then hovering near the ground. We can only presume they weren't merely seeing the flashes of their own squad cars. Astronomer, astronomy students at Ball State University claimed to have seen the UFO by telescope and radar operators at an airfield in Fort Wayne allegedly picked up an unexplained blip on their screen. Well, it tells you right there that if they're picking it up on radar, then it has to be something of some kind of mass, some physical substance. In fact, a widespread flurry of such activity known as a flap that October came to be known as a UFO invasion of 1973, and Congressman Roush, quoted in the Columbus Citizen Journal, worried that the increased sightings nationally could lead to a state of panic and hysteria, and we ought to be concerned about it. You know, that's the definition of stupid to me. I'm sorry. You're worried about panic and hysteria. Maybe you should be worried about the UFOs. Have you thought about that? I don't know. Intruders. The incredible visitation at Coakley Woods. The visitation at Coakley Woods, Indianapolis, 1983. As the story goes, Debbie Jordan Cobble, then a young woman living with her parents at their east side home, was abducted by alien beings and subjected to transgenic experimentation. Wow. Evidence of the visitations remained in the form of a bare spot in the yard where, it was said, no visitation would grow for years. Her account was documented in the best-selling book, Intruders, The Incredible Visitations at Copley Woods, which identified Jordan Cobble as Kathy Davis and used a fictional place name by popular paranormal author Bud Hopkins. Yeah, we've heard of him. 
The story also inspired a television miniseries. We go down here. I have a couple more here. It says the Mongo Photo, Mongo 1994. In northeastern Indiana, near the Michigan border, six men were sitting around a campfire on the night of August 31st when, according to a Michigan Department of Natural Resources fire supervisor, identified only as J.K., they saw something glowing through the treetops and moved right out from behind the trees and into an open area near a road and hovered toward us. It was clear as can be. It was a flying saucer. Just that vivid, one of the men managed to take a photograph. The object pictured, now you'll have to go here on your link if you take a look at it, see what you think. Although a blimp was reportedly in the area that night, an investigator from the Indiana chapter of the Mutual UFO Network and or, move on. An organization of volunteers who investigate accounts of extraterrestrial phenomena looked into the report and determined that the aerial object photograph cannot cannot be positively identified at this time. It remains a UFO. Well, certainly, if it was a blimp, I don't think it's going to fit down in just a small, you know, clearing in the woods. It seems seems kind of rather unlikely to me. Now here he says, uh, Kokomo Boom, Kokomo 2008. At approximately 10.30 p.m. on April 16th, several loud percussive noises rattled homes in Kokomo, and residents reported seeing streaks of light illuminate in the sky. Well, that almost sounds like a sonic boom, doesn't it? Or multiple sonic booms. The event prompted local authorities to dispatch law enforcement officers to look for a possible downed aircraft, but no evidence of a crash was ever found, according to an Associated Press article printed the next day. Well, listen, there aren't that many airplanes out there. You're in Indiana. If there had been a plane crash, somebody would have been looking for the person or people in the plane that crashed. So that that uh, possibility should have been eliminated pretty quickly. An Indiana Air National Guard officer based in Fort Wayne said the boom and accompanying lights could have come from F-16 jet training exercises, breaking the sound barrier and deploying fares and deploying flares, but added that his unit's logs did not show that any sonic booms were produced that night. In the transcript of a radio transmission from the evening, a sheriff's deputy says, Grissom Air Reserve Base near Kokomo just advised me that their security forces advise that there's not any military aircraft that's been up or doing anything in that area because they just contacted Fort Wayne as well, just to make sure. Well, wouldn't you think that the Air Force would know if their own airplanes were flying? They say they weren't. I have to take them at the word. It says some UFO all just disputed that F-16s were the source of the phenomenon. Well, of course not. Claiming on one website, for example, that monitoring revealed at least three anomalies, anomalous radar-only tracks which exhibited unusual flight characteristics. The Discovery Channel's Investigation X and History Channel's UFO Hunters program highlighted the incident on national TV. Many of you may have watched that. Here we go. It says, Matthew Reed abduction. On the night of March 30th, while driving home to Brownsburg after seeing a movie in Avon, Matthew Reed reportedly saw an orange ball of light in the sky. Then about an hour and a half later, he found himself outside of his vehicle, which was parked on the south side of the road, he later revealed. That he, he, excuse me, he later revealed that he had been taken aboard a spacecraft and examined by extraterrestrial creatures, and that he and his brother were abducted 
on three separate occasions as boys living in Massachusetts. The case has been featured in the documentaries on the Science Channel and Destination America. Well, yet again we have a case of these poor people being abducted repeatedly over and over again. This is a family secret revealed. Langsport, 2011. Then we're just about done here. MUFON, Indiana, only recently logged case number 32747, but it contained the oldest report in its files. On October 20th, a man submitted an old video recording of his great-grandmother and her sisters, recounting details of an alleged UFO encounter in their encounter their father, a farmer, had experienced in the Lugansport area probably sometime in the 1890s. On the tape, one of the women describes taking food to her father and grandfather in the field one day. When they yelled at her to hide in the woods, they later told her they'd seen a machine fly over the field and that little people had gotten out of the craft, collected samples of corn and soil, and then departed. The woman's father then made her promise to never talk about it. 1890. You can imagine how that would just turn a person's world upside down in 1890 and how fearful they must have been of that thing. And they also speak of little people. It's too bad we couldn't have gotten a little bit of description because, you know, the little people go back to the, uh, I believe it's Navajo and Cherokee folklore of the little people. Not such nice people either, by the way. It would be very interesting. But, you know, we have some of these old accounts. Um, I found one from uh, Iowa, I think, in 1910 or 1920, where uh, this fellow was just fishing along the bank of the Skunk River, and this egg-shaped uh, metallic sphere just landed right down in the grass, right right around where he was at, and uh, stayed there for a little bit and, uh, and took off. I, I did a podcast. It's on there somewhere. You can look it up. Now, this last one we have looking at says, Lucky Point, a Hoosier hotspot, Monroe City, vicinity ongoing. In southwest Indiana near Vincennes, a patch of land near a rural stretch of White River known as Lucky Point was purportedly, has purportedly been the site of unexplained phenomena for several decades. In 1986, a Vincennes Sun commercial citing a MUFON Indiana Assistant State Director Jerry Sievers reported that there had been nearly 100 UFO sightings there in the past 10 to 15 years. That's a lot. That's like 8 or 10 a year, right? In one, in one case, a farmer claimed to have seen an orange ball of light hovering over his cattle pen, and the next day he found a calf whose brain had been removed from a precise egg-shaped incision. Boy, what does that remind you of? Doesn't he know that, that he didn't see an orange ball of light, that he saw... An insane bunch of Satan-worshipping cow tippers, because that's what that was. That had to be that had to be townies, people from in town. No, not what he says. Saw a large orange ball, yeah, hovering hovering over his cattle pen, and the next day found a calf whose brain had been removed from a precise egg-shaped incision. And in another account, a senior a sheriff's deputy had stopped his car in the area and seen a large black triangle 100 feet on a side with beings looking out of the craft's windows. One evening in 2006, investigator Carrie Treverbaugh, who lives in the area, received 10 calls in the span of a half an hour from witnesses who, according to his statement, 
claimed to have seen a domed disc, dark in color, with three large orange lights along the edge and a triangle formation. Wow, so it's almost like these orange, I don't know, balls of plasma. They're somehow connected with this flying saucer UFO. Now, whether these things just act as scouts or some kind of energy source or whatever, but the one that gets me that's bizarre is the, the farmer that spots this thing hovering over his cattle pen, and the next day he comes out and he's got a dead calf. It seems like most of these ones that we've looked at here from Indiana have, have pretty much been up to no good. That's what how I would describe that. A lot of interesting cases. Now, like I said, I've got this stuff posted uh, at the Twitter account, UFO Warning, and I also have a brand new up and running UFOWarning.com. UFOWarning.com. You can go on there and you can also access the articles we've talked about as well. Remember, if you want to support the program, go to Anchor. You can become a monthly sponsor. That's great. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.